0: Welcome to Mind to Make episode 11. You've got Jeremy Glenn with you as always. Uh, I just want to take a second to talk a bit about the process of making this show uh, and how I'm finding it to be really an art within itself. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of celebrity and radio uh, show hosts and podcast hosts who make interviewing something that sounds or maybe appears relatively easy. Uh, But for me anyway, I feel like uh, admittedly, the process has been challenging, and when I first conceived of doing the podcast, I thought it would be a fun opportunity to reconnect with people in my art world sphere, uh, which it has been, and and help to uh, discover sort of the commonalities between uh, us and, and what we do. Um, to, you know, inspire you, inspire me to continue to make music, continue to make the art that you make. But, you know, conversation isn't always something that's easy. And certainly trying to draw out the best bits of information can be a challenge. So I only bring this up because I felt like I've had various degrees of success through this whole process. So, you know, anytime I can get feedback from you as an audience, uh, I appreciate it. And I do appreciate any of the feedback that I've gotten so far. So, you know, my apologies if I'm not always hitting the mark in in bringing out the best information, but, you know, I'm going to continue to do it, uh, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, I guess you can stop listening. So all that being said, I hope you are no less inspired by this week's guest, dancer, choreographer, Emily Law. Emily is a member of a large dance community in Toronto, and she's uh, been instrumental in bringing... Uh, street dance forms into contemporary dance spaces. Um, in this interview, we talk about how editing is really just a part of the process in creating new works. So, if, you know, if it doesn't fit with the piece, it's got to go. And sometimes that's, uh, that's a reality. Uh, we talk about drawing from the cultivated history of Toronto's house dance scene and the relationship between dance and community. We talk about how Emily's using her love of house dancing forms to push street dance theater in Toronto and how she uses her workshops and instruction to teach the history of dance forms, uh, where where they come from, and that kind of thing. And uh, lastly, we discuss the stress of trying to get your artistic vision across to the audience in a specific place and time. And um, why it is that you continue to do what you do and why she does that. Uh, it was a real pleasure to speak to Emily, so I hope that you get uh, some great insight uh, from yet another another inspiring uh, art form and uh, artist. So, without further ado, I bring you Emily Law on Mind to Make. One, two, so I would like to welcome Emily Law to the mind to make podcast. Hi, Emily. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thanks.
0: Good. Thanks for coming in. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Usually, right off the top, I'd like to do a little origin story. Okay. So can you give me a bit of a background as to how you got involved in in dance in the first place?
1: I was a synchronized swimmer when I was young and a visual artist, and then I went to an arts high school for visual art, and I randomly took a dance class. was like oh this is kind of a combination of athletics and art and it has much less homework than visual (laughs) art (laughs) so then I just started dancing in high school and I started with contemporary dance and breaking alongside and then uh I went to a contemporary dance school after that called School of Toronto Dance Theater and ever since I've been doing contemporary dance and street dance but specifically house and whacking
2: Mm.
0: and what is it about dance that kind of keeps you dancing? You know, like what what kind of drew you to it immediately that you were kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see myself continuing to do this, you know?
1: I think every day there's kind of a choice of, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. So I have to recommit all the time to mm. it uh, because it is a different lifestyle. And it's there are challenges keeping up with it, especially as I age. Mm. And I tend to actually get sad and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I haven't danced in a while. And then I'll dance. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's something that I need in my life.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So it's like nourishment to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to uh, work with somebody who had become a dancer and they're sort of entered the practice through through other mediums. So they started off as being like an illustrator and then they started getting into sculpting and then they realized that what they really wanted to do was like dance was with, with the way for them to like really express themselves. Do you feel like maybe this sounds a little cliche but there's like something inside you that uh, that dance allows you to express that say you know your background in illustration doesn't allow for like there's something that you can put across better through dance that you couldn't do through that medium or something like that
1: I'm not sure if it's necessarily that dance is the best tool for communication but Mm -hmm. there's something about its timelessness or its timeliness that Like, Mm. this is the time to do it when I physically can do it. Mm -hmm. So I figure that I can continue my visual art practice later on Mm -hmm. when my back really hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, something about dance, it keeps you so in the present. When you're performing, you have to be doing exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And something about that pressure is really exciting to me. That specifically is about stage dancing. Like, I feel like when you're performing in front of an audience, you really have to 100% commit to what you're doing. Mm -hmm or else people won't be interested mm-hmm. or otherwise, what? why are you doing that? Right. Um, and street dancing, I feel like it creates this social um, connection mm-hmm. that in today's society, I feel like we're lacking in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. we've really cut out a lot of ritual and places for people to gather mm-hmm. and ways to communicate physically without necessarily communicating um, through technology. Mm-hmm. So I think like the, physical exchange that people have during dance is really important.
0: Yeah. Something I was thinking about uh, before the interview is that in music, like in my experience with music, you know, the elements that you're working with tend to be space and time and frequency, but obviously there's a similar relationship with dance with, with space and, and time. How important is that process of sort of understanding the space that you're in how you interact with, say, somebody else on stage or how you interact with the audience? What are the kinds of things that you you think about? And maybe this is getting into more of a conversation about choreography, and this is a sort of underlining a bit of my unfamiliarity with contemporary dance. Um, even if you're by yourself, you know, how do you choose to occupy that space? Like, what are the kinds of things you think about when, when going into a space, a physical space?
1: Uh, the history of the space. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, in theatrical dance there's this idea of a fourth wall right and there are long-standing traditions that we uphold without even thinking about sometimes so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the lights go dark or so it starts people walk in there's just like all these agreements that we've made along the way that I like to question sometimes in my work Mm. so sometimes I don't start with a blackout or I'll put the middle of the piece at the beginning or address the audience and break the fourth wall I mean these aren't like new concepts people have been challenging them mm-hmm. but there are those understandings that people will come and they'll be quiet and they'll watch you perform and yeah then the lights will come on and you'll do this thing and it will have a beginning middle end and maybe you'll acknowledge them maybe you'll pretend that you're in a, another world and that fourth wall is very strong
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the lights will go out the lights will come back on you'll bow they'll right. clap, they'll right. leave. like there's all these like
0: the traditional traditions. performance yeah
1: yeah which we just accept because of that space, so the space is already bringing all these things with it, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, the history of the space. So, for example, A.D. Winchester has like a huge, a long history of contemporary dance, and then you know theaters just bring a vibe, a history, specific programming that have, has been there a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, I'm just curious because it, you know, I tend to make decisions when like mixing music about either who the potential listener might be, what the potential space might be that they would be listening to. You know, if it's something that you're doing as um, as like an art piece versus, say, like uh, something that would be intended for say even like dance purposes, right? Like it's club music. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to think about like, okay, what's going to move the audience? You have to kind of have the audience in mind. When did you f- feel like you could, you could sort of take what you knew and then give it to other people?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my thoughts around choreography just going back to what you were saying earlier mm-hmm. around thinking about the audience's response to the work. it There's such a fine balance between wanting to create something that people connect with mm-hmm. and people will appreciate and sacrificing the integrity of the work for what you think the mass audience will like. Right. So I'm always kind of trying to balance out. We want to make something that will connect and communicate, but I don't necessarily want to just create this entertainment based piece mm-hmm. with all the, I don't know, spectacle i mean not that i'm against spectacle but just giving up what i'm interested like the root of the work yeah okay and then the question about choreography when did i feel like
0: like do you feel like you need to have permission from somebody like somebody sort of says okay you're you're ready now
1: (laughs) i'm giving you the the keys
0: to the you know
1: i wish it worked (laughs) like that (laughs) i wish someone was like yeah your piece is good everyone will love it it'll sell out go ahead do it now. It's finished. No. Uh, I mean, there's never anybody that does that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, the thing about dance and choreography is that it's quite a, it stays in somewhat of a young field because there are a lot of challenges in the Toronto contemporary dance world or in the Toronto theater world, um, concert dance world. Because? Um, it's really physically based and I feel like People age out when they're developing skills Mm -hmm. or when their skills are strong. So, for example, now I'm 34 and I've been dancing for 10, 11, like 11 years as a professional. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm just developing skills or not just developing skills, but I'm kind of solidifying skills and continuing to research as a choreographer. But I'm also 34. So then maybe I want to have a kid. Maybe, Mm -hmm. will my body, can I continue dancing? Mm -hmm. So I feel like now. I'm strong, but maybe I'm leaving the field soon. I mean, hopefully I'm not, but yeah, that does happen.
0: Yeah. And is that the usual course that most people will sort of take is it, as, you know, age takes its toll on your body, you start to think about, you know, other roles that you might play in the process or.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the person. I mm-hmm. know artists that are like, I want to continue creating until I can't physically mm-hmm. create anymore. Mm hmm. Which I think is amazing, but then also part of me thinks of the logical, well, I have a kid, how am I going to pay for that kid? Right. You know, just those things.
0: Where do you start from like a blank page? What's your starting point? You know, like what, you, you come into a studio or what is it?
1: I think it depends on the work with a collective that I'm part of called Next Mix Dance Collective. It's me and this woman, Ashley Prez, and a bunch of amazing street dance artists. Our work usually comes from an idea. And then I write a grant for that idea. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is usually actually how it works. Yeah. So you like have an initial idea. And then you write a grant. So you write about this piece that you haven't created Mm -hmm. and you just like make believe this dance. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully you get the money to hire some people to make that dance with you. Right. And then you go into the space and you start researching this idea and it totally goes somewhere else because you're actually doing the work now. You're not just imagining it. So it's kind of hard to stick to that initial idea.
0: Where does the transition happen in your experience? Like, where does it stop becoming what you've written and start to become like what what what's happening there that's making that uh, that's making you fork off into this different direction?
1: I think just physically being in the studio and researching it because you can't really foresee what the work is going to be, where it's going to go, mm-hmm. and and generally I think it's fine just as long as you reference it in your final report. You're like, this is where it went, right? Like, I don't think granting people think that you're going to stick to exactly what you the initial idea was mm-hmm. but you're just saying this is like the seed of the idea right and now i'm going to go and develop it
0: right and what does research uh, usually entail in the in the field of dance
1: yeah it entails lots of things um recently in the work that i've been doing it's entailed a lot of like physical research but also lots of discussions mm-hmm. around topics our latest work with mix mix was about the femme and relating to the femme and where are the women and the art world and the fashion world and the music world, where are they archived, where are the women of color archived? Why aren't they archived? Who's doing the archiving? How do we continue their legacy through our body? How do we continue it through our work? Yeah, so kind of the archival of women of color Mm -hmm. was the seed. And so we did a lot of research about artists who interest us, artists who had lasting impacts, who were referenced continually over. So like Grace Jones and LL Cool J and things like that. Or, yeah, so just how... Women were archived, but not necessarily in a really clear way.
0: So uh, so from the beginning, when you thought of this idea, getting from the grant, let's say you wrote the grant, you sent it off, and then now you're in studio or you're wherever you're going to start, you know, kind of developing it into a real piece. Where does the work start there?
1: The work, actually, I think there's a research period before the studio phase. So we would spend a lot of time watching videos, reading books, listening to interviews, and then take all that research into the studio with everybody and then we'll talk about it a lot Mm. and we'll try dancing to songs and we'll try talking about events you know so we'll just like flesh out the idea Mm -hmm. and really specify where we're going and what we're thinking about so it really um initially that work was about future femme the future of the feminine okay but then once we got into the studio we thought well, how do we know what the future is? How can we possibly know what the future is if we don't know the past and we don't know the women that have um, paved the way for us?
2: Mm.
1: So then we ended up having to look back. And then, so I feel like we actually only got it to the present. We got it from the past to how are they influencing us? We didn't necessarily say what what, what is gender in the future. Mm. So we really specified that. And I think reflecting back to visual art, like, And when you were talking about your friend who is a sculptor, I really think once we have things laid out, I think about the whole work and sculpting it and how do we, and also I related to essays, like how do we have the most specific work that references what we want to talk about and how does every part of it, how is it essential to getting that point across? So like if there's Mm -hmm. a main thesis of the work, how does everything, every part of it, support that thesis mm. and if something doesn't support it then I feel like it's not necessary to be in there right. even if we spent a lot of time creating another section so for example we created this really slow-mo dancing section to love to love you but in the end it didn't really support the whole work mm. so we cut it and the piece was only 45 minutes
0: right is it easy for you to just go it's fine throw it on the floor
1: um no it's, it's hard because we spent a lot of time <laughs> yeah. and effort creating things but I think it's important to make very specific work. yeah, And that's part of the rigorous process. And maybe creating that was important and it was just like a stepping stone to the final product, mm-hmm. but it just didn't have to end up being seen by people.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the femme, I understand that you are in, in the process of maybe still getting a psychology degree with a specificity is this correct or is this is something i've just read on the internet that has not materialized itself
1: no i finished it um, you did
2: four years ago okay
1: yeah
0: can you talk a bit about why you were doing it what the initial impetus for you wanting to explore that was
1: well i think it had to do with that like background voice in my head being like what are you gonna do later on (laughs) right So, it was nice to have a degree and and I mean, it was nice to counter my life being an artist and not having clear boundaries mm. and not having clear rubrics of being like, "This is what you do," and then you get an A, so it was nice <laughs> right. to be in a space where things were very clearly set out yeah and and it was nice to go into a school and just be like, "Oh, if I work really hard on this date, I'll get a mark, yeah, and I'll be finished, and I can check that box off, yeah. So I just enjoyed studying and my thesis ended up being about street dance cipher mentality in relation to gender, which I talked about it a lot four years ago. And then I think I talked myself out of it and I'm just like done talking about it
0: now. Do you you mind just like a little bit or does it, so, so, okay, let's say if you don't want to talk about it specifically, what, what, what is sort of stuck with you about it? Like what, um, if, if it's something that is not, has not followed through, um, why hasn't it followed through anymore? Like why Why was what you thought of before not as important to you anymore?
1: It's not that it's not important and I feel like um, ideas from it are still around and I'm still talking about gender and I'm still talking about street dance. Like those are still interests of mine, Yeah, but I was just really talked out around that issue. Mm. Also, I guess maybe I'm less focused on battling. Maybe at that point I was really focused on like, why aren't women entering street dance ciphers? Mm-hmm. And now I care less
0: how come it's just not something you're interested yeah. in anymore yeah that's like something that women who want to street dance battle can concern themselves with
1: more. i mean I still want a street dance battle maybe there are more women actually in the scene now too mm-hmm. battling mm-hmm. and just as an older person i'm kind of like well if i don't want to enter a where i just won't now right whereas before i was like why aren't they doing it <laughs> yeah
0: what's what's the philosophical argument behind it or what like i can appreciate from at least other people that I've spoken to who have done degrees and they've worked on theses and uh, yeah, you you get exhausted by it, right? By the end of talking about it, thinking about it all the time for so long.
1: Yeah. And um, it was just an undergrad thesis. So it right. wasn't even like a master's or a PhD thesis, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is so exhausting. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. Well, some of the points that stuck with me were that the women that I talked to were less. The surveys that they answered, they came out less competitive, but that there are so many things around that, like they could have just tested. They could know that a competitive competitiveness is not a quality. Subconsciously, they could know that. So competitiveness is not a quality that's ideal in women. So maybe mm-hmm. they just wrote, answered the questions that way. And maybe they are competitive. So it could just be something that has to do with the test.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Another one is highlighting your status as a minority so you could feel pressure that you're representing all women Mm -hmm. going in a cipher and then not wanting to let them down Mm -hmm. um and you couldn't you're just not a person in the cipher you're a woman in the cipher so Mm -hmm. you're representing women
0: Mm -hmm. just to give listeners who may not be familiar with what this term refers to can you just give a little bit of context for what being in a cipher refers to and breaking and
1: yeah it's like a circle that you would dance in right it's basically it yeah Yeah.
0: there's a large crowd of people some getting ready to get in yeah some who are just watching yeah yeah a lot a lot of pressure high pressure situation at that point it's like you better perform when you get in or or do you find that that community tends to be supportive in general
1: i think the community is supportive in general i just really tested three things and it was confidence level self-esteem or self-efficacy and one other thing that I can't really remember and I mean like there were no clear conclusions of why there are less women mm. that enter ciphers but I think having less women in street dance in general is a big part of it sure yeah um, and I think the hyper masculinity of hip hop culture is part of it and and it's just kind of, it's it's a bigger thing really I don't think there's one clear answer there's a lot of factors yeah influence it yeah
0: so from hip-hop to house what is it about house dancing that yeah what is it that interests you about it or what is it that kind of like gets you going that, that that allows you to continue to do that that you know is your your kind of main focus
1: well when i talk about cypher mentality I mean in in-house and whacking. It. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I mean in everything. Like okay. A cypher is something that all street dance styles have adopted from breaking. Mm-hmm. So it's common in all dance styles. And so that cypher mentality spills over into everything. Mm-hmm. Actually, when, when I wrote it, I didn't really talk about whacking, but that would be interesting because it's it's more female dominated. Mm-hmm. So gender might have less effect and people might still be very nervous going into ciphers and maybe Mm -hmm. it's just something that you have to get over with and everybody is nervous anyway (laughs) yeah right of course (laughs) but you want me to talk about
0: well what was your what was your exposure like how did you get involved i mean like for myself like i've never officially like taken house dancing classes Mm -hmm. i just went to some parties and was like damn like some of these people dance the hell out of this you know mm. like it's a thing mm. and uh I, I think it was like going to the phoenix years ago when they used to have um i don't remember what the name of the party was but they had like a like an r&b room and they had like a house room and mm. you can go into the house room and my exposure to that is like a like a high school or just at a high school kid and like seeing these people like really really giving it and having no and and really not knowing anything. And maybe this is just because it's all like pre-internet. There was no way to like research it other than talking to the actual people, Mm -hmm. but sort of seeing that, having that experience of it. And then, and then for myself, it was just sort of like emulation, like, Oh, I've seen people do this thing. I've seen them do this and Mm -hmm. kind of trying to get my own feel for, you know, how I was dancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your initial exposure to it and what sort of drew you to that form um, over contemporary were you doing contemporary at the same time as mm-hmm. you were doing yeah
1: yeah yeah I've been doing both of them like at the same time mm-hmm. but Toronto has a really long history of house dancing and house music which is really special and I think is what fosters such a great community now mm-hmm. like there are crews like d4c which is pre um youtube videos mm-hmm. and they I think from my understanding they called it mop topping and And then the dance, the house dancing that we do now is influenced by Dance Fusion in New York. And they codified, along with other people, codified the dance form. And so we've learned from them. And we've traveled to New York and other places to learn from these people.
0: And you say, when you say we, this is Mix Mix?
1: Oh, no. I mean, like, I mean, yes, members of Mix Mix, but we as like my era of house dancers in Toronto. I see. Yeah. But there are house dancers of Toronto that have been around for so long Mm -hmm. and so it's so nice that we have this history and still dance with those people like Bridget and Dale
0: yeah do you think there's new territory to explore do you feel that that's something that that your generation is now being able to kind of like push the medium or is there sort of only so much that you can do within the context of house dancing
1: I don't really house dance to push it I'm more house dance for the experience of dancing with people and to dance with that music and mm. to like trance out to it or just like go yeah. to a club and, yeah. and dance with people, even if you're not like looking at them or physically dancing with them, but being around other people. But I mean, I guess in, in one respect, I'm trying to push it through put it, putting it on the stage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and by creating street dance theater. And that genre is growing in Toronto and in Canada in general. And the interesting thing about that is as more people create it you can see the different artistic approaches. Mm. So it, I I didn't really think about that until pe- more people started creating it. And then I realized, oh yeah, everybody has their own approach. Some people are making it very traditional. Some people are making it very abstract. Mm-hmm. Some people are making it very political. So it's nice to see that. And mm-hmm. I could say that is maybe where one pathway that is going. Right. Yeah. Another but- is that it's growing so much. Like now we're doing sessions at the AGO. There are... People of the younger generation traveling the world and battling and winning battles everywhere. Right. So it is continuing and growing in Toronto.
0: So where do you where do you look for your inspiration for, you know, like you said, you're sort of stick in the traditional, but who are the who are some of the contemporaries that you're really like you've got your eye on as far as that's concerned?
1: Contemporary like street dance theater artists. Yeah. Um well there's Tentacle Tribe from Montreal, and they're like breaking inspired street dance artists. And they're traveling all over. Okay. And they're like very skilled. B girls and B boys. My friend Natasha Powell, she's actually creating a show this week, but it's jazz, like, but it's like an original street dance. Mm-hmm. And she's gone and trained in that. Mm-hmm. There's Ism, which is B boyism from Ottawa. Okay. And they create like breaking specific work. I mean, I don't know if that's how they describe it, but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's how you see it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're putting street dance on a the theater and they've been quite successful and create great stuff. That's cool. Yeah.
0: You hold workshops. Yeah. Why is that important to you to to give workshops other than let's say the the monetary benefit or that it, you know, it's a sustainable thing.
1: Yeah. I used to teach at lots of studios on a regular and then I stopped that in order to leave my life open for dance traveling or dance shows or just like the freelance lifestyle basically. Mm -hmm. So now I just do workshops once in a while and I mean I think it's important. where I lie on the spectrum is I think it's important when teaching to tell people who the founders of the dance were, where the dance Mm. came from, the socioeconomic stance or things that were happening at the time when the dance was created. And it's important as a practitioner to know those things. Otherwise, I feel like it's kind of appropriation if you don't pay respect to where things came or if you don't, if you're not knowledgeable on the history of The dancer, the people, the setting, where it came from. Okay. We do the sessions at the AGO right now. Okay. And it's a very loose idea around a crew. We don't really act like a crew in the normal respects. We're Mm -hmm. just kind of like a collective of people that like to train together. Right. And train around each other.
0: Do you find that individuals kind of... Everybody brings a little something to the collective?
1: Warehouse Shacks is mostly house, although... mm, People do different styles, like Knox is also a b-boy. I do whacking, stuff like that. Right. But it's mainly house. Mix-mix, however, um, everybody does different styles. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sien does wushu, and I went to contemporary dance school with him, and his partner Jelani does a lot of heel work, and I also went to contemporary dance school with him. Mm -hmm. And Sarah and Christine do house and hip-hop and whacking, and Ashley and I do whacking and house. Okay. Yeah,
0: where where do you? I mean, I guess you could argue that all of those styles are contemporary styles. Yeah. So how do so how do you differentiate be, between something like that? When where does the? I, I guess I've seen some dance performances where they wouldn't you know you wouldn't necessarily construe them as dance. It's more about movement and again that sort of idea of exploration in space. So when does something be not become dance? how does it shift from being a piece of a performance or something completely different to just being a quote-unquote dance piece is there sort of a dance box that all of a sudden it's like well that's not dance anymore this is performative theater or this is this is some other aspect that happens to involve the body but is not necessarily dance is that or is there any box for you is it just like it involves the body equals it's potentially dance
1: yeah, that's a tricky question because I feel like everybody defines it so differently. Mm-hmm. And I've been on juries where people are like, "Oh, that's not dancey enough," but it's created by a dance artist, and mm-hmm. that is their intention, and that's just their practice. So personally, I feel like if you identify as a dance artist and you identify your work as dance, even if you're lying on the floor and you're slowly moving, or uh, that totally could be dance, or or if you're doing something that's very um, not traditional virtuosic and athletic dance lines, traditional pathways. Mm-hmm. I think it's still dance. Like I personally do. I know a lot of people would disagree.
0: How come? Like what's, what's the debate about? Like, what is it just cause like, what, what do you mean? What does somebody mean when they say it's not dancey enough?
1: Well, if somebody's pushing the field of conceptual contemporary dance and doing very conceptual work, that's not necessarily involving a dance technique that people have seen before. Mm-hmm then maybe they don't know how to identify it and then they wouldn't consider it dance.
0: I see. So it's something about it not having like a step or something that would be like you said, preconceived.
1: Yeah. I mean it's hard to say because that's kind of saying why other people wouldn't consider it dance. Right. And I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. I consider it dance
1: because because I'm open to dance being many things that aren't necessarily come from a dance technique. Mm. And just like abstract art can be so many different things. Like Mm -hmm. it can be a toilet.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I know. I'm just very interested between this idea of like, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm this kind of artist or I'm this kind of artist. And how you, you know, like I've talked to some people who have said, well, I don't know what the idea is. And there is no idea. I'm not trying to come work from an idea. I'm working. I'm just working. Or I Mm -hmm. I have, but I feel like it all must come from some kind of, it doesn't have to be like a fully fleshed concept, mm-hmm. but there must have been, an, uh, you know, like an impetus for some sort of spark point where the genesis of, of of this piece comes from. Yeah. And I'm just curious about where we draw these lines between saying like, oh, now that's visual art and now this is dance. You know, how is it not just all art? And, you know, I guess it's easier for the audience to, you know, because cause how else do you continue to do what you do? You have to have some kind of a, a, an audience participate in in it with you. But I'm just curious as to, you know, where people tend to differentiate their art forms, you know, because I've had, I've talked to people who say, oh, I'm a filmmaker and I've talked to somebody who say I'm a visual artist or I'm both of those things, you know. Um, um, Michelle Lefade was talking with me and she was sort of saying like, oh, I'm a a cartoonist, but I'm an illustrator, Mm
1: -hmm. but I'm a visual
0: artist. Mm -hmm. So it's all of those things. Yeah. But she wouldn't say that she's a dancer. I would say, I would guess, you know, but maybe if she did a piece that involved people and something that she did, then, you know, that does that turn into the world of dance? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just interesting to me, especially in, in visual art. Is it just the presence of bodies in the room that Then invites the idea that, okay, now we're in the dance space, Mm. you know, or potentially in a dance space, at least for you. How do you, what do you feel about it? Like in terms of pieces that you're putting together, those considerations that you, that you, you make?
1: Yeah. And I mean, in my work, I don't deny like athleticism, virtuosity or spectacle. So those things tend to be sometimes understood as dance. Mm. And I'm aware that I'm not rejecting those things. So I mean, I don't think my work lies that far outside of what would be traditionally understood as dance. Mm. I don't think I'm really pushing boundary there, mm-hmm. but artists are for sure in Toronto, especially. And I commend them and I and I totally support that. And I, I'm open to dance becoming unknown and having fuzzy borders and not knowing where to put it
0: have you ever had a an instance where you think of an idea and then as you try to conceptualize it into a piece you kind of go this shouldn't be a dance piece at all or do you always think of your work in terms of like are you always thinking of it and like oh yeah i could do you know this kind of move or movement or
1: no i'm not always thinking about movement like i think in ideas bigger than just the body i don't know if that's Yeah, no. Really around. Like, I'm thinking, usually I think about concepts. Mm -hmm. My work, I mean, when you were talking earlier about some people just creating without necessarily a concept, and I understand what you're saying, that usually there is a concept anyway, even Mm -hmm. if they're not aware of it. But everybody has their own practice. Mm -hmm. My practice does start with ideas a lot and Mm -hmm. usually centers around a concept. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying, like, usually I think of a thesis and then everything is supporting that idea.
0: Mm -hmm. And by that, by sort of going through that particular process with you, Mm -hmm. then for you anyway, dance is going to be integral to that whole thing. Like, are you thinking of the idea in concert with, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the the context of dance, like just by virtue of you being a dancer, is it, I guess I'm just trying to get to this idea of like, is it just that you've got a dancer's mind you're thinking about how would I interpret this idea through dance? Mm -hmm. And it's really about you trying to just say, or, or are there some ideas, I guess I'm trying to say, are there some ideas that just... It's not going to support dances or whatever I could think of, whatever you could think of in terms of dance would not support this idea as well as maybe, you know, some piece of visual art might do the same thing. Or would you at that point say, well, you know what, we need to involve some more visual artists or.
1: Yes. And I've worked with some visual artists with projection and yeah. musicians. And I feel like that maybe, but, but it is usually supporting a physical exploration. Mm mm-hmm. So maybe just my practice right now is so specifically focused on physical creations and creation of an experience. Mm. So I feel like creating dance, you create an experience for an hour or however long the dances or the the pieces. And it doesn't necessarily mean people are like dancing in front of other people sitting the whole time, but you have these people trapped in this room right. for however long. So then you're creating this experience for with them. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like a frontal audience performance thing, but you are creating this thing for
0: mm-hmm. them. How do you consider the audience in in most of your pieces? Like, what's the consideration that you have? Is it the space that you're you're based in that's making you, you know, have particular considerations about how you interact with them? If you're breaking the fourth wall, if you're not breaking the fourth wall? where they're seated? Is it usually space dependent or is it something that ahead of time you're kind of like, this is the space we need to set this in?
1: I haven't actually produced anything right now where I've had the power to really create the space outside of a theater. Mm. So I've really just created work. I mean, I've created some site specific work, but mostly the stuff I've done is in a theater and with mix mix, it's been in a fringe setting, so we've really gone into like a very specific theater setting mm-hmm. and run in, done our sh- did our show, and then left. Right. And then in other instances, it's been pretty um, proscenium based, so like an audience in a section, and then the stage on the other side. Mm-hmm. You're talking about kind of like creating the space and having say over where the audience is and how not, they experience it.
0: Yeah, not even in relation to space necessarily i'm just saying as a potential consideration because the audience has to be somewhere during the piece yeah is it ever audience dependent in you in when you're thinking about it or is it just by virtue of the fact that it's like well we have these spaces that are at our disposal to work with so the audience is sort of a secondary consideration or are you are you considering the audience that may be viewing this piece as part of of your your construction of the piece in the first place or is it just sort of like well this is the place we're doing it. So this is how it's going to be. If we're if we want to have any interaction with the audience or if we consider what their response is like, it's going to be just within the context of this space that we're performing it in.
1: I do consider the audience. And like I was saying earlier, I feel like there's that fine balance between creating stuff for an audience and creating stuff that stays true to the integrity of what you were, the initial idea was. Mm. But it's such an interesting thing working so hard as a Dancer and creating something for months on end, and then having one weekend and inviting a bunch of people and then just showing them this thing that kind of represents, I don't know, maybe your best choices. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is quite stressful showing things and being like, this is what I thought best represented the ideas that we set out to research. And now we're going to show you this one weekend. And we've been working on it for months. Right. So that is a weird thing that the audience just kind of comes in on at the end. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: they only get that one experience. Mm-hmm.
1: And like I said, I, I haven't really been to the state, gotten to the stage yet where I have self-produced. Okay. So I haven't really had full say around the space. Okay. And that I feel like has a lot to do with money just because mm. it, it is expensive to change a space and keep it like that for a weekend or sure. However long the show runs. Yeah. This is pretty ghetto,
2: but it makes me want to vote,
0: You brought up grant writing. Yeah. Sort of the like harsh realities of working in the art world. And I've, I think I even saw you speaking in another interview about it kind of being like you had to make a decision. Like, are you going to lead the lifestyle of a dancer or of, oh, a, yeah. of an artist? Yeah. Was it hard for you to make that decision to, to be like, this is what I'm doing now?
1: Yeah, well, but between high school and going to dance school, I had a back injury. Okay. And, and the doctors were like, "You're never going to dance again. We're going to fuse your spine together." And then uh, I I did a lot of crying, but also a lot of <laughs> yoga and Pilates, and I went to McMaster for science. And that year I was kind of I was thought to myself, "Oh, maybe I'll go the science route and I'll have a very stable job and yeah. work in the health field." And then I got better and I was like, "No, I have to dance. This is the time for me to dance if Mm -hmm. i'm gonna dance and then as i left mcmaster my dad was like you know that you're not gonna make a lot of money as an artist." (laughs) my chinese dad and um (laughs) and i was like yes dad i know that i i i have chosen this life yeah and i do every day but doesn't mean it will always be this life maybe it will be something different but yeah so it is a very specific lifestyle Mm
0: mm-hmm Yeah. I mean, I've talked to some other people about the relationship between family and them wanting to pursue whatever art form they're pursuing and how that can be a tricky situation sometimes. Yeah, And it's one of those mental games that you have to like play with yourself. You know, like every time you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm doing this again. Like today, this is what I'm going to try to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've, I've gotten like a, a secondary, I mean, I've had many, many different day jobs to like support whatever I was trying to do, but part of what I'm trying to do with the podcast is I'm not trying to be like a motivator, like a, like a a big motivating speaker or anything like that. I think some, to some degree, some things that help people motivate them are just to hear the experiences of others, which is kind of part of the reason of doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, how do you, how do you keep going? Like when you wake up and you're just like, Oh man, I can't, not today. Like I can't do this today. What, what keeps you, what keeps you going what like keeps you get, like getting into the studio and continuing to write your grants and what are the kind of the things that bolster your practice
1: i wish you knew no <laughs> i don't know really. um that i've already made commitments to it no. right yeah <laughs> well kind of like it's been a thorn in my side for this long just keep going for a little bit longer yeah like i've already committed to it for so long and put in so much work like i almost feel like i'd be abandoning it but that being said I'd not placing judgment on anybody that leaves because i totally understand sure yeah um but yeah so i don't know just you you, no response no response okay (laughs) that's fine
0: that's fine i mean you did say i think you said before like uh i mean obviously there's the 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 physical component to it yeah you can only do it for so long so you better do it now
1: yes yeah
0: and i guess you love it like you said you sort of get we well, you know, if you're like in a bad mood or something like that, you can use dance as your sort of escape mechanism of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just think it's, in you know, how, why people continue to do it and what sort of sustains them through those times when they're kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Does the community of people that you're with help to push you in that direction to say like, no, we need you. Like, you're important to to be a part of this. Like, we can't do it without you.
1: Yeah, like community does have a lot to do with it. The Toronto contemporary dance community is amazing. The Toronto street dance community is so lovely. And I do feel very supportive. And and like, even though my dad said that, my family has been very, very supportive. Mm. My mom was, is an artist. My brother's an artist. Mm. Like, so we have lots of arts in our family and mm-hmm. I've been very lucky. And that's part of my success that mm-hmm. I've had so, so much support. Right. Um, And I have a partner who's also very, very supportive. Mm-hmm. And... Probably also like at my darkest times when I haven't wanted to do it, he's been very helpful mm. and going in to see shows and seeing what people are creating is also quite inspiring. Yeah. And to see people at the shows and see community and take part in that.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's huge. Cause yeah. I, like, as I know from, for me, like it's, it's that thing and you, know, you go and you see a performance or you hear a song or you, whatever it is, you watch a movie and you just go like, I, it's not, it's not necessarily like an, I can do that or I can do that better. Yeah. But it at least gives you a different frame of reference or it gives you some kind of creative spark, right?
1: Yeah, like look at Donald Glover. Yeah, I know, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, honestly, he's kept me going at some point. I was like, okay, just think of Donald Glover, he <laughs> 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 can keep going. Yeah,
0: Donald Glover can do it, I can do it.
1: <laughs> or if I can just do like one thing as good as him, yeah, or like he can do all these things, I yeah. should just try harder.
0: Yeah, I know, it, it really uh, is empowering in the sense that it's that it, it feels like. And I'm sure it's not just him, but it does feel like, well, he's kind of the, the person behind it all, you know, even if he didn't all do it by himself, mm-hmm. it's still like willing to do that, you know, like willing to go in and try to do those things. Yeah. I think it's important. And, um, I just think the community aspect is like really keeps a lot of people going, you know, like if you don't have that community behind you, it, you have these Creeping doubts that can always kind of just come into your head a lot of the time. It's like having somebody to kind of be your your base or whatever,
1: keep you grounded, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and to be like we're in this together. They're experiencing yeah. similar doubts. They're experiencing similar physical challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it just permeates all like disciplines and fields, right? Because I don't I don't think it's necessarily easy for anybody to pursue any kind of artistic practice as a career. But I guess that part of the other thing I'm I'm trying to explore is, yeah, what are the commonalities between all the disciplines and and what can what can I learn from, you know, somebody who who works in dance and be I think even beyond just the sort of practice or process things um, like that's very much a part of something that I'm interested in. Is just, you know, like, where do you start when you start from zero to the finished piece? You know, what are the steps that you're taking to get through there? And when it's really, really hard, how do you continue to push through it, and what are the kinds of techniques that you're using to do that? you know and it seems more often than not that between different disciplines, there are so many commonalities that seem to to work and similar sorts of strategies that people employ so Thank you for coming and sharing yeah, your input course. on the on the subject, yeah. If you like what you heard on the show today and would like to support it, I would encourage you to go to my Patreon page and become a patron. Patrons will get access to exclusive content and can help decide which guests come on the show and what I ask them, as well as other rewards along the way. Support will enable the show to become bigger and better in many ways. There'll be a link to the page on both the mind to make website at www.mindtomake.com, as well as in the show notes in the description for the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening.